You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Or, of course, listen anytime at home. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcast. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Today's episode of Locked On Kentucky is brought to you by Built Bar. My favorite is the chocolate almond coconut. Remember to use promo code LOCKED ON for $10 off your first order at builtbar.com. A lot to get into today, Kyle. Uh, you got Louisville being receiving its notice of allegations from the NCAA. Uh, Kentucky basketball has added three more games to its schedule for next season. John Calipari uh, had something to say about the December game in London against Michigan. Uh, also, uh, transfer prospect from Evansville has cut his list down. Lots of UK football news that happened over the weekend since we last spoke on Friday. Kentucky's had two players enter the transfer portal and has picked up two commitments. Uh, so a lot to go to talk about there. I, I want to start with this was for me personally, the best sports weekend for me since this whole thing, uh, started, you know, the, since I guess the SEC tournament was canceled because we still had horse racing. I love horse racing. It was supposed to be the Kentucky Derby. We didn't have that. Instead, as you hear my dogs barking there, instead we had the Arkansas Derby and we had two divisions of it. So I was like, well, I'm going to treat this like Derby day. I'm going to, you know, look and try to handicap some of these races and, and try to win a little money here, just like I would on, you know, Churchill Downs Derby Day. Try to make something out of it. And so I open up my my little app on my phone for betting on the races at Oaklawn Park in Arkansas. And the first race I see, the first one, I mean, as soon as I open up the race and see the entries for it, the five horse in this race is called Reef's Destiny. Like, oh, well, okay, we got to start there. <laughs> That's pretty great. So I was checking like how much money I had in my account, uh, the online account already. I had 16 bucks left. So I was about to deposit, you know, a hundred bucks and just, you know, try to make that work for the day, try to turn it into a little more. I said, well, before I do that, let me bet this first race. So I used that 16 bucks to put like five on Reef's Destiny to win. And then I bet an exacta uh, for Reef's Destiny. And the four horse was tempt fate, which I'm, I'm like, well, this is perffect. I'm tempting fate right now. Here's right, what I'm doing. Right. That race goes and that 16 bucks turned into $340. Nice. That's the, the, the five horse was like, uh, he paid 6940 to win. So I, I put five on it to win. So, so it was a pretty good day. Pretty good start to the day. Uh, I wound right. up. I think I wound up at like 300 total. So I, I, I lost 40 of the initial gain, but I mean, I started at 16 bucks. So, right. Yeah. I had a great awesome. Derby day for the first time that we haven't had a Kentucky Derby. Uh, it worked out pretty nice for me. So, yeah. And then, the, and then the virtual Derby was really, I don't know about you, but I was like, I loved it. 
the with all the the triple crown uh past right. triple crown winners mm-hmm. um and secretariat having to basically running the entire race from behind and looking at one point like he was going to get pinched um, <laughs> right. and and going wide at the end and pulling it out that was i like it didn't matter to me that it was fake i not without knowing what was going to happen and you know everything about all this sports stuff that we're getting right now is old stuff um, yeah. for, by and large we know what's going to happen. Maybe we forget some of the details, but there's no new outcomes. Uh, and so even a fake race uh, was cool. And, you know, and like, too, you're watching it going like, okay, the greatest race horse of all time is Secretariat. How can Secretariat not win this race? Right. But for the entire yeah. race, it looked like he was not going to win the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, an American Pharaoh kind of poked his head in there for, for uh, a little while. Um, threatened a little bit. Uh, Seattle slew. What I think Seattle slew finished second. Um, but that was fun, man. I was I was like actually kind of like wound up watching the 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 fake race. Uh it was yeah, it was enjoyable. Um the Arkansas Derby, the two divisions of the Arkansas Derby both went to Bob Baffert. Uh he had Char- Charlotte Charlatan won in the the first race and in the second race it was Nadal and I think afterward he said both of those horses are going in bubble wrap until September 5th when the you know, the Kentucky Derby is planned uh, tentatively to be run but uh, let's get into some uh, some of the news of the day on monday louisville receiving its notice of allegations uh, of wrongdoing that occurred while the school was on probation uh, they include improper recruiting offer extra benefits by boosters that's a level one which is the most severe and that all has to do with adidas and payments to brian bowen senior uh, the father of the recruit, and then recruiting violations by the coaching staff, also relating to Bowen. Uh, then the failure by the head coach to promote an atmosphere of compliance, which was Patino. Uh, but since then, you know, since all that, they have 90 days to respond to this, which they said they're going to fight it. Um, Patino, by the way, declined comments that his lawyer will release a statement. I don't know if it's out there yet, but it'll probably be out there at some time while we're talking or afterward. But, you know, since all that has happened, you know, Louisville was already on probation for the the scandal with the strippers and all that. And that forced them. Uh, and then they knew about this with the FBI investigation. So they knew this was coming for a while. And since they've done the stuff that they needed to do, they got a new president, a new athletic director, a new head coach and new coaching staff. I, I don't even know what you, it doesn't seem fair if they punish all of that, like, Louisville responded and cleaned up house. So you're not punishing any of the people who did the wrongdoing at all. If, if you do come down on them. Yeah. I, I it's, it, it is a weird spot because like you have a program that cheated while it was on probation for cheating. <laughs> and, that's yeah. like, and like cheated, like bad, not a little cheating, not like extra stake on the recruiting visit. Like, the worst kind of cheating. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're on probation for strippers for players and recruits and you, you have staff members buying recruits. Yeah. Uh, not good, but I mean to everything you said, like, so there on the one hand, it feels like, how do you let that go unpunished? But then how, how do you really justifiably, I mean, honestly, it almost feels like, should they get any punishment? Um, when they've turned over the entire athletic, I mean, not just, not just coaching like basketball program, 
the AD, the 80s gone. Everybody's gone. President's not the same. Uh, right. I mean, across the board, university, athletic department, basketball program. There's not a single guy on the roster who was on the roster when any of this happened. Um, you know, you, you canned your coach, you canned your AD. Um, I don't know. I, I, what punishment to like, I guess Mike, the, the, the question is like, what punishment feels like it's acceptable um, right. or fair or fair, I guess. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, did you not pay the price by having to lose your Hall of Fame coach? Mm-hmm. Um, the athletic director who got you into the ACC, right? I mean, the guy that everybody until recently thought was, and many still do think, was like a god. Uh, you know, doing the impossible in a in a commuter school like Louisville, and really transforming the campus as much as the athletic department. I mean, you lost all that. That's a lot. That's a heavy price. You also, mm-hmm. you know, sat out postseasons, and uh, you had a national you know, championship taken away you know, two different final fours taken away. Um, banners pulled out of your rafters. I mean, I don't, I just don't know what would be a fair punishment. Like I, I totally get, um, uh, like, like if the people who say, you know, you can't, you can't get caught paying players while on probation for giving players strippers on campus. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, like that part of it, like that part of it just goes like, man, hammer them, drop the hammer. But, but then, right. You know, Chris Mack did not cheat. Uh, no. None of these players did anything wrong. Who is being penalized? None of the people. None of the people that you would want to penalize would be penalized. Um, right. You, you, it's fine for Rick Pitino to have a job in college basketball again. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to go hit somebody, uh, that's you know, that's where you should start. Knock on knock on Iona's door. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's a tough call, but it's going to be. I mean it. It's going to be really interesting because, you know, in what they in the statements they made today, the president uh, and athletic director, uh, a former UK guy, which some Louisville fans have, mm-hmm. <laughs> Vince Tyra, um, uh, they, they, they made it pretty clear they're going to fight this thing. Where last time they kind of like, oh, let's cooperate and hope it works out. I mean, one thing we've learned in the last penalties, yeah. yeah one, one thing we've learned in the last five or six years is fight it, deny it, you know, rage against it, um, because being compliant, you know, being uh, helpful in your own investigation just gets you crushed. Um, yeah. And so I guess they've hired the same lawyers that defended North Carolina. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a good place to start. Yeah, no um, doubt. I think they're going to go to war. I think it's going to be very interesting um, to see how it all that all plays out. Um, you know, like places like Louisville. I'm sorry, Louisville, not Louisville. LSU and Arizona, where the mm-hmm. coach is still sitting there. Go hammer those guys. Yeah, you know, that's where that's where you make a statement. Kansas, uh, Auburn. I mean, you Kansas know. received a notice of allegations that included five level one infractions. Yeah, I mean, Kansas should be in like worried. <laughs> Can- yeah. Kansas deserves to get hammered. Uh, LSU, very much. I mean, of all of all of these, LSU deserves to get the hammer. Um, right. You know, go to the places where the people who you know the the bad actors. We're all we still can tell, there are still there. 
Um, and maybe that doesn't appease Kentucky fans who just want only bad things to happen uh, to Louisville. But I mean, I think Louisville's paid a heavy price, right? In in both reality and in shame, and in and in every day having you know Kentucky fans where they always felt like they had moral superiority over you know the Kentucky shame <laughs> SI cover and all their scandals. Yeah, that's the one thing uh, little brother, as it were, had over Kentucky. And now that goes away. So they, you know, they've paid a price even in that. Like their their alumni have had to just unmercifully be browbeaten by their UK brethren <laughs> uh, <laughs> o- over the sort of the shame of all this unending scandal. So I, I really do think Louisville has paid a heavy price. And I just they probably like in in theory deserve more punishment, but I just don't think you'd be punishing any of the right people. We'll continue this conversation on the other side, as well as talk uh, some UK basketball and some UK football when Locked On Kentucky returns. Hey, I want to tell you about this protein bar I recently discovered. It's called Built Bar. First time I tried it, I mean, I thought I was eating a candy bar. Seriously, it's not chalky like so many other protein bars I've had. I tried the chocolate almond coconut Built Bar. Uh, So good. Built Bar comes in 16 different flavors. All of them are covered in 100% chocolate. There's eight flavors that include nuts, like peanut butter brownie, and then you have a nut allergy? Well, there's good news because they have eight other flavors that are nut-free, produced in nut-free facilities, like the tasty mint brownie. Built Bar is super healthy, too. You go out there and look at some of the other leading protein bars and compare the numbers, the health information on the back. Built Bar, low-calorie, low-sugar, low-carbs, high-protein, high-fiber, less calories, than the leading, less sugar than the leading brands, less carbs, more protein, and it's and it tastes great. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on to get ten dollars off your first order. That's promo code locked on for ten dollars off your first order at builtbar.com. You are locked on Kentucky your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Okay, we're back here on Locked on Kentucky, and we were talking about the notice of allegations that the NCAA sent to Louisville. And uh, we were kind of talking about Louisville's already paid a big price. I can see here's the only argument I would have for not doing anything else to Louisville. The, the people that, that uh, are accused of the wrongdoing are gone. They're not there anymore. You're not going to hurt them. If you want to do something... Uh, to punish Louisville uh, for what it did, punish you know Rick Pitino. Uh, he's he's got a job. Uh, but what happened to Louisville? And you look at when these um, the sanctions were were brought down on them the first time around for the for the stripper scandal. Well, they had Scott Paget was there for a season. They didn't go to the tournament. Chris Mack comes in he's got him going in the right direction. And then he's got him as a, as a preseason top five type team. And the season that Louisville just had, who knows what they would have done in the tournament. So all of that stuff that Louisville did. And two years later, they're right back in, in among the elite college basketball programs. Like it was a two year hit and that was it. So if Louisville got that, that punishment for the first thing, and then they did this while they were still on probation for that first thing. Doesn't the program deserve to take a step back again? Don't they deserve like a punch to the face 
to kind of uh, put them down again. Well, guess what, guys? It's going to you're going to need another two years because we're not letting you uh, be our national champion. We're not letting you compete in that tournament. We're not letting your program be uh, one of the top 10, top five programs in the country after more allegations. I know that you did all the right things and cleaned house and we appreciate that. But you're already back at, you know, back in the hunt. And we just can't have your program being back with everyone else when they didn't do any of these things. So that seems fair that they would tell the university, I'm sorry that we didn't get these, you know, sanctions out to you sooner, but this stuff takes time. And we just, we, we have to punish your university. We it's, it's unfair to the other schools out there that didn't nothing wrong. And you, you've got the same opportunity they have at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I, uh, I mean, to me, the it's going to be because of their willingness to fight it this time. It seems like it, it's just that that element of it is going to make this like, and I don't want to say must see TV. I don't know if we'll be able to see it, uh, but as we as we hear about and read about how it unfolds and that battle unfolds, I'm going to be uh, glued to that because I think yeah. Yeah, I think I think rightly this time. I think you know if you're if you're U of L, the only thing you can do is just come out swinging. Uh, because if you take another blow, I mean, it, you know, I know it's written into the the contract for uh, Chris Mack that basically if anything happens sanction wise, it, it automatically it extends his contract. But if you right. if you take another huge, you know, if there's another postseason ban or a scholarship reduction or you know, if you take a serious sanction after all this stuff, I mean, right as you're starting to get back on your feet, I don't know. I don't know how long it takes you to recover from that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, how many times can you sort of like reboot um, and, and stay up at a high level like that? So we'll see, but I think they're doing, I think they are doing the right thing by saying like, we're just, we're just going to fight this thing tooth and nail. Well, yeah. Self-imposing didn't work work last time. So we've, we've cooperated and they were so mad over that, that they had cooperated and they still got hammered and, uh, but let's move on to Kentucky basketball. John Calipari says, uh, said on his Facebook uh, live, whatever his his uh, coffee with Cal show. That's what it's called. He had Larry Fitzgerald on there, and he was talking about uh, the game against Michigan in London in December, and said he's they're still trying to figure out whether or not they can play that game. Uh, well, it doesn't look good because the NFL just canceled its four games that were scheduled for London. Like the NFL says they're about to put out the schedule for 2020 later this week, uh, but they already know they're not going to play in Mexico City and they're not going to play in London. So that doesn't bode well uh, for that game in December. Uh, and then no. Kentucky also announced three new games uh, added to the non-conference schedule, Hartford, Richmond, and Detroit where Brad Calipari now plays. It's all part of the Bluegrass Showcase. All three games will be in Rupp Arena. The Detroit game uh, in November, Hartford in November, uh, and then Richmond November 23rd. I I wrote down November 15th for the Detroit game, but I guess it's, is it it the 13th? Not the 15th. It's Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. So Brad Calipari comes to Rupp Arena on Friday the 13th. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say he scores 40 and uh, has the ball in his hands at the end with a chance to (laughs) upset (laughs) Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) I think if you put Terrence Clark on Brad Calipari, he might have a long day. 
It might be a little tougher for him. Yeah, yeah. Now, Antoine Davis is the son of Mike Davis, the same Mike Davis that uh, coached Indiana to the Final Four, beat Duke in Rupp Arena uh, in the NCAA tournament. Also, uh, didn't he throw – I think he threw a chair across the Rupp Arena floor uh, when playing Tubby Smith's Kentucky Wildcats. So, anyway, Mike Davis is now the head coach of Detroit, and his son is the leading scorer, scoring machine, Antoine Davis. And so he and Brad Calipari will come to Rupp Arena Friday, November 13th. And then Hartford. Richmond is interesting because Richmond uh, returns a lot of players. uh, And, you know, it's always been one of those competitive schools. You think of, like, Richmond and VCU and what Dayton was able to do last year. But, um yeah, that could be a tough game for Kentucky. That Richmond game against a bunch of uh, young Wildcats. Yeah, yeah. I, Richmond's uh, has always been. Let's see. I'm trying to pull up their uh, their uh, profile here. They were 46th in Ken Palm when the season ended. 24 and seven uh, last year. They beat Vanderbilt. Um, they beat Wisconsin on a neutral floor by 10. Um, yeah. They played a decent game with Auburn. Uh, they beat Boston College. Um, that, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty mm-hmm. uh, stout non conference. I have no idea what they bring back. Let's see. I'm looking. They didn't have a single senior on the roster last year, Richmond. right? So if that whole roster, I don't know enough about them to know for sure. But if that whole roster is back, um, or most, and of you're it, talking, it's only Thanksgiving. You know, Kentucky yeah, early maybe like four or five really, games. It's a really young team. I mean, they won. They closed the season. Uh, they won eight of nine games to end the season. Um, they played Alabama close, pretty close on the road. Um, now, the year before, they were thirteen and twenty. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Uh, but Richmond's been a good program uh, for a lot of years. Uh, won twenty-two games in twenty seventeen. Won. Uh, 21 games in 2015. I mean, they've been, they've been a pretty good program for a while. So that that's a tricky little uh, game to add to the schedule for sure. Yeah. Especially coming off a season where you lost to Evansville at home. And speaking of Evansville, their leading scorer on that team uh, before he was injured, I think he played like 18 games was Deandre Williams. And he is transferring from Evansville and his list is down to four Arkansas, Baylor, Memphis, Kentucky. And Calipari reportedly spoke with DeAndre Williams last night. So they already got uh, Mintz from Creighton as a grad transfer and then Jacob Toppin from Rhode Island. And now possibly this DeAndre Williams also in the hunt for Olivier Saar from Wake Forest. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I think we, I think we, I think we talked about it on here. Like, you know, you 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 look at it a month and a half ago and go, they're not going to have any big men. There are no options uh, about how this this can change so fast. Um, you know, and then Harms became available, and then he didn't pick them. And well, there's no options. You know, and the VCU comes out, guy comes out, and looks like a great fit. But apparently, that deal was already done. He goes somewhere else. Now nah, there's no options. Uh, and then here here comes uh, the Evansville kid, and here comes you know, the best potential, the best possible option for them, of course, is, uh, Saar at Wake Forest and all ACC seven footer, um, who has a legitimate resume. I mean, he's a guy that steps in and is like, you know, 
I would say a better addition even than Reed Travis. And Reed Travis was almost a perfect grad transfer. Mm. Um, but he's taller. You know what I mean? He's he's seven feet tall and has proven that he can, you know, play at an all ACC level. You know, Reed Travis, there were some guys that were going to, some matchups that were going to be tough for Reed Travis. I don't think there'd be a ton uh, of fives that Kentucky would face that would, you know, really be outclassing or certainly not outsizing uh, SAR. So that's, that would be sort of a game changing option. And if you get both, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I, I think Williams is more of a, a four, a stretch four. Um, he's not going to be a guy that solves. I mean, he does not solve your need at the five. And you don't know for sure that he would get uh, immediately eligible. Apparently there's some thought that because of the, what happened with Walter McCarty and all that, all the turmoil there at Evansville, that he would get approved. Um, and that's their thinking. Um, mm-hmm. But but that's not a guarantee, and he doesn't help you at the five. So I don't. I think these are mutually exclusive uh, recruitments. You know, I think you could honestly take both those guys and um, Frank Anselm, uh, who's a long term high school pro- prospect. Um, and if you do that, you'd also wonder. You know, one thing we haven't talked about is other than Terrence Clark is like the G league's still coming for dudes <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know, Kentucky is a kind of roster you'd go looking for uh talent on, you know, somebody could still get stolen away uh, by a professional contract. Uh, and if it was one of those dudes in the front court, you know, Isaiah Jackson is a, you know, fringe five-star player, really athletic, you know, developmental, you know, not, not, not as much a long-term developmental guy, but a guy who might need a year or two. Um, be somebody that the G league could go looking at as well. Um, Kentucky really be hosed if one of their two big men commits end up in taking one of those contracts. So I, I think they're casting a wide net and they're just going to take as many as they can get. Well, now you got another one that is in the mix and it's Romello white from Arizona state six, eight, two thirty five junior. He had put his name in the draft. Then uh, he went on social media and said he's now entering the transfer portal. He's an Atlanta native. He averaged almost a double-double as a junior, 10 points, 8.8 rebounds, so 10 and 9, had eight double-doubles. He was second in the Pac-12 in rebounding, sixth in field goal percentage at 57%. So did he bounce because they got the VCU kid? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know. I mean, because that's where he went, right? Or did he go to Texas Tech? No, that kid went to Texas Tech. Texas Tech, yeah. He was everybody thought he was going to Arizona State. That's yeah. interesting. White would actually be able to go as a graduate transfer as well. Because he, so he played three already... seasons, but uh he had a season in which he did not play to focus on academics. So he has he has graduated, so he could be immediately wow. eligible. So he's a four he'd be in his fifth year of college. He's got mm-hmm. almost a thousand career points. He's got six hundred and sixty career rebounds. He's got almost a hundred career blocks. I mean, these are the kind of guys they've got to be looking at. I mean, they they you know, I think you'd much rather have Sar from Wake Forest. Yeah. Um but if you can get a power conference eight or nine rebound a game guy who's got some size to him, get one of those. They have just absolutely got to get one. Six eight's not huge, but two thirty five is uh, is a looks like a physical prospect. He's a former top 100 recruit as well uh, in the RSCI, which is the the ranking service that combines all the rankings and kind of gives you the average. 
um, nationally. He was 80th in, in the country as a recruit. So he's like a high-end guy who has had a very productive college career. Those are the kind of guys you really – when you're looking at like can can we make a run at a national title next year, you've got to get a guy that you know you can plug in there and is going to go get, you know, yeah. on, the worst night, on his worst night six boards, on his best night 12. Um, and so this, this is another one of those options. So to me, like it's just funny – when you look at, uh, you know, once the roster all shakes out and everybody goes pro and everybody looks at the landscape and goes, there's not anybody, there's no way they're going to get anybody good. Uh-huh. Uh, this thing changes like almost every day, almost every uh, day it with does. the transfer market. So there's a new name. Um, and he's from Atlanta. So Lexington is not too far from Atlanta and he would, you know, obviously familiar with the Southeastern conference. So we'll switch and talk a little UK football when we return on the lockdown Kentucky podcast. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Okay, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. The all-time winningest coach in the NFL, Don Shula. 328 career wins, 10 more than George Papa Bear Hallis. Uh, Shula passing away today at age 90. He was an assistant at UK in 1959 under Blanton Collier. Now, Blanton Collier is from Paris, Kentucky. The stadium, the high school football stadium that the Paris Greyhounds play in, it's called Blanton Collier Stadium. Well, Collier's fellow Paris native, Bill Arnsparger. Bill Arnsparger and Blanton Collier, both from Paris, both there at UK with Don Shula. Arnsparger would go on to be Shula's defensive coordinator with the Dolphins uh, on and off, he was there like 11, 11 years or more and was with him at the, with the Colts. And that, and that includes that 17 and 1972 team. So a big Kentucky connection there with Shula. And then you go to Arnsbarger. I mean, Arnsbarger was the Florida athletic director who hired Steve Spurrier, by the way. All right. Um, Kyle, on Friday, when we finished our podcast, uh, UK football went crazy after that. A bunch of stuff happened that we were not able to talk about. So just catching up from over the weekend, you had Kentucky defensive tackles, Davon Hawkins, AKA Day Day and Kavon, Kavon Butler, both announcing they're entering the transfer portal. It appears Butler's situation is that he wants to be maybe closer to home. He's from Toledo. Um, and Day Hawkins, well, he's in a situation where his position is nose guard. He can, he can play tackle, but at nose guard, He's got Quentin Bohanna and Marquan McCall in front of him. So it's going to be hard for him to get much playing time. And then Kentucky just brought in like four big time recruits uh, at that position. So those two guys announced they're transferring. And then Kentucky on the same day picks up a transfer from a defensive lineman, Khalil Sanders, six foot five, 260 from Huntsville. He had a Virginia Tech offer. Uh, and turn them down to come to Kentucky. And then just uh, late last night, three-star receiver from Ohio, Armand Scott, committed to UK, 6'3", 200. He had a Michigan State offer, so Kentucky beating out Michigan State again. Now, today, Douglas wide receiver, Frederick Douglas High School in Lexington. Dekel Crowdis says he will make his announcement on May 10th. Kentucky's believed to be uh, in good shape with him. 
Dekel Crowdis was had a great, I think, sophomore, great sophomore season at Douglas and was being recruited heavily. Like Michigan was one of the top schools it looked like maybe uh, for him. He takes off and transfer to IMG Academy in Florida. Uh, plays pretty well down there. Uh, their game was on ESPN. He returned a kickoff like 90-something yards on ESPN in one of his first games for the IMG Academy school uh, f- football team. Then I guess he gets homesick and comes back. And so now he's back in Lexington, and he's going to play his senior season back at Douglas High School. So next Sunday, he's going to make his announcement about where he's going to go. So a lot of stuff cooking up here with uh, UK football and football recruiting. Now, yeah, that's a, that's a bunch. <laughs> the I, I'm I, the Frederick Douglass thing is really interesting to me because they've just like it's crazy how many, it's right down the road from my house, uh, the new high school here. Uh, it's crazy how many high level like high level. Uh, yeah. Division One prospects they've had, and they're going to mm-hmm. you know Clemson and Notre Dame and all these places. Um, has Kentucky gotten any of them? No, not yet. So that like that not that, yet because what, um, what are the chances that you finally get a high school in Lexington where you, you're pumping out all these blue chip recruits and then right down the road from UK and they're not getting them in a time where they're where they're thriving otherwise. Well, Kentucky Lafayette Lafayette High School was the. Uh, the one before Douglas to be this good, like before Lafayette, um, no Lexington high school, public school had played in back-to-back state championship games and Lafayette did. And that team had Jed Wills who just got picked in the NFL with the number 10 overall pick in the draft. He wound up at Alabama, Landon Young winds up at Kentucky Walker Wood, that quarterback from Lafayette, also goes to Kentucky. Their running back, Mason Allstott, Allstat, uh, winds up at Walford and has a great career down there. Lucky Jackson was one of the receivers. He winds up at Western and broke some records at Western for a receiver. So that is what Douglas has become now. And so the first of Douglas's um, high-level recruits is uh, Walker Parks, who is committed to Clemson. And then the, his teammate Jagger Burton is another guy who's got the offer from Clemson. Um, the and number so one then, player it's in just, the state. Yeah. Crowd so now, is the number two player in the state from there. Um, yeah, so now they those guys are just – so none of them – Clemson is the first one to – first school to grab one of this next wave of high level recruits. Uh, but oh, that's right. I was thinking is... Mi- Michael Mayer was actually at Covenant Catholic. He's going to Notre Dame. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. but Walker Park's going to Clemson from the last class out of there. Uh, I was thinking, I felt like there was another guy. Oh, there's a wide receiver, Devin Neal going to Baylor from Frederick Douglass. Well, there's Dante Key, who I believe is going to Western Kentucky. I believe. Uh, maybe he hasn't decided yet. I could be wrong on that. But they've had some big time dudes. Well, Dante Key. Wait a minute, Dante. Did Dante Key play? I, I'm getting confused here. Dante Key may have played at Kentucky, and this is his son. But, I have no and then idea. there's there's another kid named Ty Bryant 
And uh, I can't remember where he's going, but he plays on the team. And his dad, Cisco Bryant, played at Kentucky. Um, Cisco. They did just have a quarterback two seasons ago who went to Cincinnati. They have a guy um, named Cameron Jones, uh, who's 6'8", 245, who went to Cincinnati. He was a four-star recruit as an athlete. Is that who you're talking yeah. about? 6'8", 245? Yeah. Is that real? Uh, I don't uh, know if he's 6'8". That's what he's. He was the quarterback. He wasn't. Maybe that's a glass here. He's he's tall kid. I would say more like six five, six six. But I mean, for you know, for Lexington, Kentucky, that's really like churning out some guys. um, Yeah, no doubt. For one, for one high school, and and all those being power conference offers. So I I would say that's an area Kentucky needs to to try to lock down. I mean, I don't know what you do though if a guy's good enough that Clemson wants him, uh, because you know, Clemson and Kentucky, even with the backyard connection, that's. It's hard to turn down Clemson football right now. Well, it's so reminiscent of the Lafayette situation where Landon Young was at one tackle and uh, Jed Wills was at the other tackle. And the two of them were being recruited by, you know, all everybody. And Wills goes to Alabama. Young goes to Kentucky. So now you've got Walker Parks, who's gone to Clemson. And here's Jagger Burton who could maybe go to Kentucky. But yeah, Kentucky needs to really get both Crowdis and Burton, uh, offensive line and receiver, uh, from, from right here in their backyard. Uh, That'd be huge. They, I mean, just that would send yeah. a big message too, just to, to win those battles. Right. Um, which is one of the things, you know, it, it was kind of one of those deals where Louisville guys were getting away from them and they put Vince Marrow, you know, threw him into the, the Louisville territory. And all of a sudden they, they locked up a bunch of those guys. Uh, was it the last class, two classes ago? Um, you know, I think that they were trying to send a message there. I would assume they'll they will try to to do something similar here with now that they have a a, a D one factory uh, right down the road. Yeah. Uh, finish up with uh, the SEC Network. I don't know if you saw that they they you know there's a viral video out there of this this guy who's in a motorized wheelchair and he's lighting a firework on the ground and he doesn't get away. And, and the fuse is burning down and the fireworks starts going off and the guy's name is Terry. And so there's a guy in the video saying, what are you doing, Terry? Back up, Terry. Yeah. And- I didn't know that existed. I had never seen that. So I, I was totally lost when the, when the Terry Wilson video came out with that audio. Yeah. So they put that on there and it's just Terry Wilson being terrorized and it's tweeted by the SEC network Twitter account. What if they'd have done that to Tua Tungavaloa? You know, after his or, injury, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, it's, him, it's him back. It's him scrambling, running back. You know, trying to avoid sacks and getting crushed, yeah, getting uh, his ass with, kicked. With, yeah, with that, with that audio. Yeah, it was really. I, I would love to know the internal conversation. Um, My theory once, is it's a you know, it's a Tennessee alum <laughs> who has been given control of the social media network for. The SEC network, like it's not like they have a high level person tweeting for them, or you know? or it's you know it, it may be a you know twenty year old intern or whatever could be um, mm-hmm. who just didn't like fully grasp what they were doing. But man, what a horrible look it was, and like oh, it, was it clearly pissed off Kentucky and and Terry Wilson, who made a reference to it on Twitter. Mark and Stoops. Stoops, Mark Stoops, really so that was sort of surprising. Um, you know, Stoops with, should with, be hot. Yeah, but, yeah. I'm not surprised he's mad. I was a little surprised that he like came out and said something publicly, but uh, but yeah, he, he said did. twelve he was, and three of us as a starter. Yeah, keep it in reverse, Terry. 
and tagged the SEC network. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not great because like the SEC network is an actual like partner with the league. You know, they're, they're in a business relationship with the league. You know, you're, that's why yeah. you're only going to get so much negative uh, coverage out of the SEC network um, of the league. And so taking pot shots from the SEC network's account is not a great look. And I would just love to hear, I would have loved to have been in the meeting or the virtual, the zoom meeting between uh whoever that manager was and whoever the employee was that put that video up because i i can't imagine that was a pleasant whatever monday morning or whatever whatever day after it was yeah all right last thing and uh we don't have to talk about it much just to to finish on this note is that some more optimism for college football in the fall and and i don't know where this guy is hearing it from uh, but it kind of lines up a little bit with Mark Stoops, for instance, that he said last Monday about what if our guys were to be back in July? We would hope that the NCAA would give us some adjustment to allow us to be with them, work them out. Like, because normally in the summer, the coaches wouldn't be allowed around. Uh, if they do seven on seven, you're not allowed to see that. Uh, so without being conditioned and having strength and conditioning and being on campus most of the summer, that maybe there would be adjustment to allow if the players were to return in mid July to allow them to practice a little bit more. So we heard that. And now Brett McMurphy uh, tweeted out there that Arkansas's athletic director told the board of trustees that football practice for the Razorbacks will begin in mid July and the season will start on September 5th on time. Yeah, I mean, I think they're all gonna. I think they're all gonna take that approach now and and just proceed as if it's happening. And you know, if we get slammed by another wave of this and and the the reopening that's going on in a lot of places uh, bites us in the butt, then you're obviously everything changes then. But I, the for now, I think people are feeling some hope and uh, they're gonna proceed that way. So we'll we'll see. I I, I, I I'm still in believe it when I see it <laughs> mode honestly, but uh, yeah, maybe I'll be wrong. Well, listen, um, if you want more on uh, SEC football, college football, stuff like this, I'm sure that you will hear plenty of it on Locked On SEC. So tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On SEC. Uh, a little long today, but hey, it's Monday, so we're wrapping up a, what wound up being a pretty busy week weekend. Uh, so we'll be back on Wednesday with uh, another edition of Locked On Kentucky. In the meantime, if you want us to talk about something or you got a question, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. Thanks for listening, guys.